Hey everybody, it's uh, me, Will Hart, here with another episode of the Iris Global Green Room. I am super duper duper blessed. I've been looking forward to this one all day. Uh, I get to connect, and and if you don't know this amazing man, you're going to get to connect with a friend, uh, a leader, uh, a, the the man, the myth, myth the legend, uh, uh, Bishop, Pastor Bishop Joseph. Garlington. And uh, it's such an honor to have you on here, Bishop. How are you doing out there in, in Pittsburgh? We're doing okay. Just kind of uh, figuring out new ways <clears throat> to do old things and figuring out how we can continue to use the new ways after everything else gets back in some way to what we used to call normal. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, do you th- been... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, do you think things are going to go back to normal, or do you think this is going to be a major shift? I think, yes. I think it's going to be both. I think it's going to be a major shift until people become comfortable with the idea that you can still get a cold, and you can still get the flu, and Jesus is a healer, and <laughs> has always been, and that the greatest vaccine in the world ever invented was is called the human immune system. Yeah. Do, what about church? Do you think church will go back to normal? I think church is going to advance. So what we used to call normal is still going to be there, but then there are going to be certain aspects of the church that we're going to find completely different. And so I'm looking forward to that. What we're doing now in, in terms of our services are a little bit different. Uh, instead of just having <clears throat> a, a regular church service as such, um, we'll do our worship time, which we think is really important for for the church, and you got to have that piece there. Um, and, and if you come short of anything else, um, I think of something Catherine Kuhlman said years ago. She said, if you only have 10 minutes to praise, then nine, nine minutes in worship. And that. so the the basic thrust, I think, for the church, and, and I really believe that's going to be the key p- piece for us, is keep prioritizing worship and then letting it take us wherever it wants to take us. You, you've always been a worshiper. I love, it's probably one of my favorite parts of being at events with you is you and Clarence, uh, singing. I find myself walking around, uh, after meeting you singing, it's so easy to love you uh, because you're wonderful. And I, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite things that you sing. How, how how long have you been a worshiper? Like in, in the sense, like when did you know you had a voice, you know, because you have a you have a stunning voice. Well, I was I was uh, just chatting with someone who we're we're in the process of rewriting my book on worship. And so um, the person who's helping me, she said, what was what was one of your more significant moments in terms of your memory with your mom? And so my mom was an amazing worship. She's a keyboard player, wrote songs and just incredibly anointed. She played by ear and she played in other ways to him. But uh, my mom went to, to my high school with me. I was 17 years, the years uh, before I graduated. And um, somebody found out that I could sing. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me to sing. And the song that I chose was uh, a classic by the, by Roy Hamilton and, um, and without a song was the name of the song. And, um, and so my mom went and she played for me. 
And when I sang the song, I did it pretty much the way Roy Hamilton did it when he performed it. And when I got done, um, they gave me a standing ovation. I mean, it was like, okay, this probably, it's not just church where, where people think that I could sing. And so <laughs> that was kind of like the revelation for me. Um, I've been I've been blessed to be at a couple of different events with you over the years. VOA has been the 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 one where I feel like it's a reunion. Uh, and I think besides after you're singing, of course, your messages are always spectacular. One of the things that I look forward to, and I've tried to adapt it when my wife is with me, is you ask your wife to come up and pray for you. And, uh, I, it's, you know, of course your messages are out of this world, but sometimes it's just those small things that I get to witness from a generation that's gone before me. And I, I just, I, I love that. I love watching you. I, I love watching you and your wife together. How long have you guys been married? It'll be 49 years, um, in September. And how's she doing during this, uh, during this time? She's doing great. You know, we, we talked about uh, the challenges that she faced as a, as a result of a, uh, a, a bad hip surgery. And, um, and she lived with it for 11 years, probably 10 years longer than she should have. And uh, she had a revision surgery the day before Thanksgiving last year. And so the recovery has been remarkable, um, the absence of the kind of pain that she's been in. And, and of course, Throughout all of that, she never stopped praying for people, never stopped seeing other people healed, and never stopped believing that God was going to have an answer for her. And then, of course, in addition to being a hard worker, um, she's an amazing cook. <laughs> so uh, we so we have been testing her culinary skills. And, you know, we used to go and eat out all the time, but now she's working it out. And so she cooked, uh, she cooked. Mother's Day dinner on Saturday. And I said, what, what are you doing? She says, I'm not going to cook on Mother's Day. And so you're going to, you guys are going to have leftovers, but her leftovers were amazing. So she's, we call her the Energizer Bunny. I love that. Now <laughs> I heard a rumor and I don't know if it's true. Maybe this isn't the place to bring this up, Bishop, but uh, there was something that you and I might have in common besides our ADD and, and charming good looks. And I, one day I asked him, I said, you know, Bishop, he, he looks so good. He's, he's running around. And somebody said to me, he's like, oh, yeah, he takes care of himself. He eats well. He works out. And he uh, sometimes uses a hyperbaric chamber. Is that true? It is true. So <laughs> I have a hyperbaric chamber in my bedroom. Kidding me. No, I'm not joking. Somebody gave it to me. I think you and I are the only two ministers I know that have one. Yeah, we got it some time ago. I mean, uh, my wife, uh, we, we were looking for all kinds of modalities that would help. And um, so the hyperbaric chamber has just been an amazing piece for, for us. And it's right across the room from where we are right now in my office. And so it's right and it's right next to a um, an infrared sauna. Okay. And down the hall from that is uh, is a regular wooden sauna. So we, we go after good health and work hard at it. We've been doing it for years. I love it. I go after other people going after good health and giving them <laughs> encouragement from the sidelines. But yeah. uh, I, I totally thought that was just a rumor, but I, I just, it makes me feel like uh, you and I are more connected. I should probably start using it. My wife uses it a lot more than I do, but 
somebody gave us one like years ago and I love it. I, you know, it's not a small ticket item. Um, no, it's not, but, but we were handed one after my wife had cancer and, uh, somebody who owns a company reached out to us and just blessed us. And so, yeah, we got one in our bedroom. I try to climb in there with my wife, but it gets too hot and sticky in there yeah. uh, just normally. So, uh, <laughs> but we love there, it. There, there are times when, uh, when Barbara will, will climb in it and, and I'll, I'll look for her in the middle of the night and she, she's, she's fallen asleep down there, but it's an amazing tool for, for good health. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, yeah. I, I know I really value your time. I'm so grateful you can make some time for this. I don't, I, I could chit chat with you for days, uh, but I have a couple of just questions from you. You know, if that's okay, if I can pick your brain for another few minutes. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, you, you have such a unique, um, man, you have, you have a much more, uh, just large scale view on the church. than I think some of the, the, the mainline denominational charismatic churches do just culturally, you you bring an aspect you know to at least the meetings that I've been at where you see a bunch of white people in a room and you you get to preach the this glorious gospel and bring your viewpoint on it like I I feel so disconnected from uh, the the African church and community how as you're pastoring that and I know you don't just do that but uh, how how are how do you hear your church your community navigating this this season right now? Well, I, our church has been, um, we've we, we walked through some amazing seasons and a part of them, part of it is related to the commitment that I have to focusing on the kingdom and um, just, I, I can't, and actually I came across uh, an article today and where the, the author is saying the issue isn't uh, Republican or Democrat, mm-hmm. or the issue isn't right or left. The issue for us is right or wrong. Mm. And so it's buying into a, a stream of, of life for me that, that I call kingdom. The, the irony for me is that I've had a hunger for kingdom teaching for years, even as a Pentecostal. And so um, the scripture says, Happy is the man who knows the joyful sound. And so when I, for instance, when I, when I heard you minister, uh, I could say, okay, this guy has this sound that's amazing. And, and it spoke to me about who you were, the enthusiasm that you had. And, and the first thing I wanted to do was, is get you to our church. You, know, you could never do that. But, um, <laughs> but I said, this is the kind of guy that I want to speak to our house. But my irony was was birthed out of the fact that the person through whom I heard a a kingdom sound was a white Southerner, and and I'm I'm a Yankee by birth and raised in in, in uh, Buffalo, New York, and so my whole background is that. And so I'm and I'm listening to this guy who was a speaker at a conference in our city, and and he's talking about the kingdom. And he's on cassette, and I'm driving in my car, and um, and I would listen, and I would be so intrigued, and then I would become irritated by his southern accent, and I turn it <laughs> off, and um, and then and then I, I wanted to hear some more, and I turn it back on, and I get irritated, and my my whole whole concept was, why why is this 
Southern white guy who I know is a racist, just listen to him talk. Um, why is he having this life that I'm getting? And so when, when I got over that and met this guy, I realized just how much the kingdom addresses so many issues that you really don't have to address by name. In other words, I, I think uh, having a sense of r- racial consciousness is one thing, but it's like I, I choose not to be focused on uh, a, a situation where my, my, my approach to, to life is Afrocentric. So I am a person who is of African heritage. I went to Africa. My first trip to, to Nigeria was, uh, it was an amazing thing. And when I got finished on the way back home, I told my wife, I said, I may be an African uh, American, I'm, but I'm really a person of African descent. I don't know what it is to be an African. After I, after I left Nigeria, I just said, I am not an African at all. And it took a couple of comedians to help me understand that as well. But what I found is that the kingdom addresses issues without having to name the issues. Yeah. And when you begin speaking to people about righteousness and forgiveness and mercy, it's when we begin to tease those things out to the place where we make them the doctrine itself, then that's where I think we get into the difficulty. During the, uh, I guess maybe the, the 90s, there was this movement, this reconciliation movement, you know, where yeah. white, peop- white people were apologizing to black people. And I just, I got tired. And, <laughs> and I said, <clears throat> You don't know many apologies. I said black people held Jews in slavery for 400 years. So, but when you start preaching the kingdom, yeah, and and you ignore the the fact that there are people in your church who are who tend to be more focused on the political aspect as opposed to what the kingdom itself is, you can get in difficulty because. People then start to make choices, yeah. and we we had to make a decision: Are we going to be right and wrong, or are we going to be right and left, or are we going to be kingdom people? And I think kingdom will sometimes push you in a direction that you didn't intend to go. Years ago, my wife and and I don't know if I'm helping you or not, but you're doing great. Um, on my honeymoon, Barbara and I spent uh, we spent about 10 days in San Diego. And, and um, I was reading a book by a man by the name of Bob Mumford. I don't know if you ever heard yeah, of Bob. Yeah, of course. Amazing, amazing uh, teacher, one of the early mentors in my life back in the 70s. And, and I was reading his book, and in the, bo- and in the book there is this, this request that he made of God. And it was, Lord, if you're doing anything in the earth, I want to be a part of that. And so in September 71, I asked my wife, I said, what do you think about that? She says, yeah, I feel the same way. And I said, well, let's, let's pray that. So she asked me to lead us in prayer. And I did. 30 days later, I was kicked out of the denomination that I was a part of. And I never connected it for maybe about a year or so. I never connected it with the prayer that I wanted to be doing something that God was doing 
and I had to come to the conclusion that he wasn't doing anything where I was, so I'd had to go somewhere else. But it, it, while it was one of the worst times of my life, it was one of the best times because it opened me up to, to the body of Christ, to this large, large group of people who were charismatic and Pentecostal, and, and those in the early days of the Jesus movement and the mainline uh, denominational people who were coming into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for me, it was like, okay, this is the adventure. And I just said, this is where I belong. Um, and I feel like where we've been is that kingdom message, when when approached with integrity and the desire for authenticity, will always address the, the social questions because it does. So, yeah, that's there's a lot to navigate in that. I think for a, a generation that's coming up right now, I hear I hear the heart cry of of at least a younger generation uh, that's growing up in a different world than than you grow up uh, than I um, than I grew up in. Um, I I find when I, when I get to listen to you at conferences, we were just at Life Center at Firestorm. I, I you have you have a a just this ability to address it with such clarity. Even at Firestorm, I heard you saying some of what you just mentioned, uh, but even with a more clarion call. Just this is what we're going after. We're not focusing on this. We're focusing on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's amazing. I, I find it fascinating how you can feel the tension rise in the room from a younger generation, uh, even when you even when you make those those kinds of statements. I, you know, Bishop, you've been doing this. I don't even know how long. How 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 long have you been in ministry? It's it's a long well, time. I'm eighty one. I'm eighty one, and I started preaching when I was fourteen. What I'm not a math I'm not a mathematician, uh, but me, me either. I, but long enough. What would you say to a younger generation that is tackling a lot of this this social climate right now, where they're where they're looking at their faith and justice and the the government systems? What would you say to a younger generation right now that is trying to navigate this and find the Lord in the middle of it? But they're battling all these tensions right now. Can you give my generation and younger some wisdom on how to approach these? situations? Yeah, I, I think the, um, I, I like the passage in Psalm 145 that says one generation shall declare to the next. Mm. And in the, in the past, when I would read that, I would read it from the standpoint of my generation has responsibility to, to declare to your generation, the glory of God. But it, it's not one generation declaring in only one direction. It's recognizing that both generations are seeing something and have something to say. Mm. Um, the, think about it like this. The, the, the issue of, of, say, of poverty um, is, a, is a major issue. And you can become focused on that and miss what the other issue is. And uh, I, I, I did a message entitled, um, Elevate Your Heart Above Your Head. And the message is oriented around Mary coming and anointing Jesus. And Mary is criticized by a thief who says, this could have been given for the poor. Mm. And, and Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. But what he celebrates is her capacity to recognize her need to worship him while she has him. And I feel like if we could keep people focused as uh, 
one guy used to say, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Right. If you could keep people focused on worship, there would be so many things that would flow out of worship that would address the social issues. But when you're addressing the social issues, you take your eyes off of the person yeah. who's actually called you to deal with the social issues. So um, Paul, the Apostle Paul says something in, um, in the book of Acts, uh, and it's, we, we need to be careful to remember the poor, like Jesus said. Yeah. Well, look through the Gospels, and you won't find that. You won't find that phrase where Jesus says, be careful to remember the poor. But Paul, uh, Peter says he went about doing good. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good. I don't think good that comes out of my desire to do good is going to be productive. The good that I need to do needs to come out of my desire to worship him yeah. and be directed to the good. That could be, that could be different at any moment. So beautiful. I, I agree entirely. Everything comes out of that relationship and love, and it's an overflow. It's not just a purpose. It's not just, this is my calling, I'm going to do that. Overflow and passion relationship with Jesus is where everything needs to be led from. I, I well, love that. Uh, Heidi, Heidi is probably the, the premier example of all of that. Um, I, I met, in fact, this, this Nigeria trip that I was telling you about, I, that's where I met Heidi. And uh, Heidi came, and, she, and I was just amazed because this place where we, where we met, the large auditorium, part of it had maybe like a, a, a floor of some kind, but the rest of it was dirt. Yeah. But you could go into that auditorium, and, uh, and Heidi would be lying on the ground. <laughs> and, she, I mean, it was her, it was her passion for, for something, and she is a worshiper. Yeah. But it's, it's because that is her priority it touches everything else in her life. And so the the ministry that she has was is birthed out of the fact that she could hear God in worship and, and move into a place that would be, God, are you really saying I need to be here? But when you hear something in worship that says, go over there, you go there yeah. and you find yourself doing something that, that you needed to do all along. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, I I uh I have a couple of quick questions for you. I don't want to change, but I want to. I just want to mm-hmm. utilize this time so well. You have been going after a move of the spirit, and I watch you as you um as we're at meetings. I watch you gravitate towards anyone, any of the speakers, regardless of age or title, anyone that 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 you see carrying the Lord. You gravitate mm-hmm. towards them. And, and I, and I watch you ask questions, you know, how do I do this? What do you see? What do you like? I've, I've watched you do this for years. It's always impressed me. It's one of the reasons I think that we, we got to connect and you would haul me up on stage, uh, after your sessions and, and one of the most intimidating things And I've been, I, I, I've taken the pulpit after Randy, after Heidi, but there's something that is petrifying about following, uh, following you, uh, Bishop. And, you know, I, over all these years you've been running after God, you've seen a lot, right? You've been around a lot. What's, what would you look, as you look back, what would you say are some of the most impactful times, impactful messages, impactful ministries that you've been around? Well, of course, if, if, if you've been around me for, for any length of time, I, I would say maybe the, the, the fork in the road for me happened um, in Toronto. And um, during the outpouring that was there, and 
I went to Toronto under suspicious circumstances <laughs> because I, I heard my, in fact, one of my, one of my pastors was there and he came back and he said, he had this outpouring and he said, we raised the biggest offering we ever raised in our church. And so I said, how do I get to Toronto? And so, so I go to Toronto thinking, okay, something's going to happen to me that will enable me to get my building fund going and so forth. And something happened to me that, that, that totally undid me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it went after deep roots in my life that had not been addressed, even though I'd been in ministry for a long time. But it was evident that you can carry brokenness, you can carry, uh, weakness, you can carry failures of all different kind, and God can still use you while while all of that's going on. And then there comes a moment in your life when when God says, okay, you're here, I got you here, and I'll, I would like to do something in your life, and are you open to it? Yeah. And I was thinking, well, I don't know if I'm open to it. And I could tell that he wasn't giving me much time to think about it. And so my sense was that I had a window that I could see closing as, as it was going past me. And so I said, okay, I accept your view. And it was what God was saying to me, you want my view of you or do you want your view of, of me? And because I had been, I'd been treated as, as a celebrity, celebrity in so many different settings, uh, Mr. Promise Keepers and mm -hmm. uh, recording writer, all of that stuff. But now I'm here in Toronto and the lady who doesn't even know me has a word from God about my condition, and I'm I'm insulted first of all by it, and then God said that's not that's not her, that's me, and I said okay, I accept your view, and of course, uh, when I told God I accept your view, it was it was traumatic, it was it was brokenness. I cried, I snotted, it was all over the place, and and I'm embarrassed because I'm a granddad and I'm on the floor in Toronto and a lot of white people are looking at me and I'm already <laughs> upset because they're having revival when I had revival, they called it emotionalism. And so <laughs> in, the, in it, God just, he just grabbed me, shook stuff out of me that I didn't even know was there. I think he shook some stuff out of me and still didn't tell me what it was. <laughs> but, but when I got up, I knew I was different. Yeah. And, uh, and from that moment on, what my, what my journey has been, it's, it's been, I'm, I always want to learn. I want to know more. And I felt like I don't ever want to come to a place where, where I feel like I already know. So I approached the scriptures. I approached my study time. And, and my deal is, God, show me something that I haven't seen in this verse. Show me something that I haven't seen in the service. Um, I had a, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, a number of years ago, along with some other people, we were going through a, a uh, uh, learning how to, to uh, program computers. And, and the guy who was teaching us, he was trying to tell us how, how the computer worked on the inside. And he was diagramming it. And I thought, man, this is so crazy. And I was looking at him along with these other people in my age category. And he looked at us and he said these words. He said, this works. I need you to suspend your skepticism. Yeah. And, and it was when I did that, that I could understand what he was talking about. I didn't understand a whole lot more about it, but <laughs> I knew that it worked. I think where I've been is that, that so many times I've been in a setting 
in which I've had to suspend my skepticism in order to receive what God had for me. Do you remember the magic, uh, the magic pictures? I have no idea at? what you're talking about. Okay, it's a it's a painting uh, of, of, and it has different kinds of patterns on it. Oh yeah, and like you the ha- cross your eyes thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, they call it the magic picture. And, of course, it divided a lot of families because some people could see it, some couldn't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like Toronto did the same kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember staring at one, and I wanted so desperately to see what it was. And I asked God, I said, God, I would do anything to see this. And I took my glasses off. I crossed my eyes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this thing popped out. And I, I said, oh, my God, I can see it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, I have a lot of things I can show you if you're willing to learn a new way of looking at things. Mm. So you come along, and I'm listening to you teach, and and um, and I know that you have not you you haven't been in the kingdom as long as I've been in the kingdom. And so the problem many times is that when I was growing up in ministry, I was confronted by people who were older than me. And felt like they knew more than I did, but they weren't asking the same kinds of questions of the Lord. Yeah. And so I'm looking at you and I'm realizing he's been someplace. He's heard something that I haven't heard. He's doing some things I haven't done. I got to find out what it is. So when I'm doing something in a certain arena and like like I did at the Voice of the Apostles, there's this ministry moment that we had come to and I knew that I needed somebody who could negotiate the moment because they had seen those moments again and again and again. And I just said, I don't want to miss this. Hey, you come up here. And you did. And as we say, the rest is history. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, yeah, just sweating bullets, uh, standing next to you on the platform. Um, you know, Bishop, I, I, like I said, I just want to honor your time. I know you have I know you have other things today, and I'm just so so grateful for your life. I you know I met you years ago traveling with Randy Clark. I'll never forget we were driving up. I think I told you the story last time I was with you, and we were looking. We drove from Harrisburg to Pittsburgh. We drove up uh, to wherever we were spending the night, and you were there waiting. You drove up in your uh, I don't know. I just remember it was an awesome car with big rims, and you had your Bluetooth, <laughs> and and and, yeah. and it was just that was my first encounter with you. I had no idea who you are. Got to minister alongside of Randy at your church for a couple of days, and just fell in love—not just with you, but your family. I just your your son-in-law and your daughter, and I just you know. And then through the years, as I've gotten to just be around you and and watch the way you navigate and minister and preach, you have a way of describing attention so beautifully. Uh, in the scripture, but also in in the world, and I, and I watch. I've just watched you for years, and I love it. And there's <clears throat> one last thing I just need to tell you, and that is, <coughs> it's so easy to love you. Uh oh, it's happening. <laughs> I don't sing, Bishop, because <laughs> you're wonderful. That's it. That's all I got to say. There's my. Uh, uh, I've just embarrassed myself in front of the charismatic world. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, man. Love you. Love <laughs> I you. really do. It's such an honor, and I and I'm and I know I say that all the time on this uh, show, but it really is. Like you are a legend, and the fact that I get to call you friend, uh, 
and I do, and I say it everywhere I go. The fact that I get to call you friend is a huge honor, whether yeah, whether you know that or not. And I'm just I'm just so grateful for your life, and I can't wait to do the next ten years uh, alongside, running alongside, or fifteen years or whatever that is. But I I will do anything I can to be in the same room as you. Well, I'm trying to figure out um, how much of your anointing is a happening that happens when you you clap your hands and stomp your foot. I mean, it's like things break and, and you just, and I just said, look at that, man, I want to be able to do that. And, but you know, there is, there is, there is something that you do, uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious that before you know it, wherever, wherever people are, there's a breakthrough and whatever it is that God's giving you, I, I'm just saying, God, give him more. Yeah, give him an increased sensitivity to that, so that whatever you've entrusted to him can be impacted to the rest of us. So I receive from you every time you preach. I receive from you, and I'm grateful. Thank you, Bishop. Well, uh, give your wife a squeeze, and next time you see Clarence, I don't know, bump elbows. I don't know if you guys are doing that now with COVID, but whatever. Give him a tickle. Love that man. I just and uh, yeah, we will. uh, We will. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next Iris Global Green Room. Listen, if this blessed you, and if it didn't, you just are not hearing the voice of the Lord. You need to repent. Uh, but <laughs> the ones that this is blessing, just share it. We do this for free. Okay. We just do this for fun, uh, conversations with leaders around the world. And and I know just I know that this will bless people as you share it. Bishop, uh, can, last lesson, is there a way that people contact where, you? Are you on Instagram? Are you... Yeah, I'm doing something on Instagram now. I do... I do uh, I do four talks a week. Okay. Tuesday, Tuesday through Friday. So. And what's your name on Instagram? Uh, Bishop Garlington. Bishop Garlington. Follow him yep. and uh, get on those because they're they're going to bless your life. Love you, Bishop.